depravity, uh, well, uh, at least the preaching of it, and then we'll move on to unconditional election. Uh, so today, we'll, uh, this will be our third message from Romans chapter 3 as we work our way through the text. I uh, just want to really, and, and really the system, the way it's laid out, uh, the tulip doctrines, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance and preservation of the saints. Really, it's good to get a good understanding of the doctrine of man. And uh, of course, of course, previously we looked at uh, the fall of man uh, and the creation of man. And um, and we 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 know from our own um, from our own uh, lives, we know from the scriptures that uh, in order to be saved, in order to to know uh, our need of a savior, we have to know the reality of the fact that we're sinners. And, um, and that's what we see being laid out in the book of Romans as Paul wrote this epistle. It's kind of interesting. Uh, even though Paul did not write a book of systematic theology, uh, the, the letter to the church at Rome is probably the closest to that. And, um, and there are some very, very good um, uh, systematic uh, doctrine, doctrinal statements, uh, and uh, foundational doctrines of the faith found here. And so, Romans chapter 3, we'll begin reading at verse 9, and uh, we'll go uh, down to verse 20. As our text, just as a refresher here, he says, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles, they are all under sin. As is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them, who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so, this is the text, uh, and uh, it, that's the text that we've been on. The last uh, two weeks, this is the third message, and in this text, 
you find what some have labeled uh, 14 horrible things about men. 14 horrible things about men. And uh, you can go through there and you can, you can begin to see as Paul brings this out. You, you might say as Paul loads up his gospel gun and he takes aim at the human heart. Jew as well as Gentile, all guilty before God. And each one of these, each one of these points, one right after the other, they hit hard. And we've seen that. We've seen that. Indeed. Get this wrong, and the whole system falls apart. Because, beloved, in your story in your life either God is the hero or man is and beloved if man is the hero in your life if man is the hero of your story you have no hope and you've got to get this right or else the only thing that you've got waiting for you if man if Self is the hero of your life story. What you've got waiting for you on the other side is an eternal hell. The only hope that you have is Jesus Christ. There is no hope in self. There is no hope in man. You see, even the best of person cannot trust himself. Even if you don't trust yourself, but you've put your trust in some good and godly preacher or some good and godly grandparent or some good and godly neighbor, there's no hope in that. Your hope, my hope, rests in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so this is why this is so important. And even after we're saved, there's no way we could even keep ourselves saved. I can't even, I can't even keep hold of my car keys. You know how many times a week I lose my car keys? I'd hate to count that. And you think I could keep hold of my salvation? There's no way. And I know you can't either. No one can. But we are... We are safe and secure because our eternal hope, our security is not in us. It is in our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Total depravity is that doctrine that hits everyone as we've seen. Jew as well as Gentile. It's all of us alike. And as I mentioned in that very first sermon, it is not to be confused with absolute depravity. There are those, there are those who maybe are not gangsters. There are those who are not pimps or whores. There are those who are not out on the streets selling drugs. There are those who are not serial killers. 
We see all of that and we know that that is true. And we thank God that not everybody exercises their depravity in such terrible ways. We also know that even the worst of tyrants, the most terrible of sinners, can do some earthly good. Um, The reality is that when man measures himself by man, he's always able to find someone who is worse. So whenever whenever I say that, I mean, you think about the dope dealer. The dope dealer... We might look at him and say, he's so terrible, he's so wicked. He might he might be in a group of dope dealers. He might say, well, yeah, I might be bad, but the dope dealer down the road, he sold more dope than I did, so I'm not as bad as him, right? There's always a debate. Who was the worst tyrant? Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin? Depends on which history book you read and all of those things. The reality is they both were terrible tyrants. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, regardless of how you measure yourself up against man, None of that matters because when man is measured by the holy standard of Jesus Christ, he is weighed in the balance and we're all found wanting of any merit or goodness in the sight of God. None of us measure up. None of us can be good enough in the sight of Almighty God. But through Jesus Christ, there is hope. There is salvation. And you and I, though we are sons and daughters of Adam, though we read this and we say, how terrible is mankind? How terrible is man? Who then can be saved? We know. We know. That Jesus stepped in to redeem fallen man that Jesus took our place, paid the debt that we owed, and we can be sure of heaven through Christ. What we read here is not just the words of Paul writing to Rome. On the surface, it seems that way. But let us remember that he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is a glimpse that we get as we see man through God's holy eyes. And let's not forget that. Let's not lose sight of this. 
Paul is not being judgmental against the, the church at Rome or, or he's not trying to put them down or anything like that. He's simply giving us. God was using him to put on paper what God sees man as. Last Lord's Day, we made it up to verse 13. And so, verse 14 is where we'll pick up. He says, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. We notice that he spends a lot of time with the tongue and with the mouth. He's proving by the testimonies of various scriptures that the Jews as well as the Gentiles are involved in sin and guilt. What's one thing that Jew and Gentile alike have that can be looked at and everybody can agree on, and that is they both have tongues, they both have mouths. And it's evident, right? We cannot see the heart. We can't see what's going on inside of the mind but the, heart, the, the, the tongue and the mouth, that's something that we all can see, we can all hear, and we all can see evidences of what's going on in the heart. It's evidence of the sin and guilt that none can be justified by the law. And again, this is not new. He's quoting from the Old Testament Scriptures in the book of Psalms, chapter 10. Psalms chapter 10 and verse 7. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. Times change, cultures change. Ultimately, people don't change all that much, do they? What comes from the mouth is very often offensive and contrary to the Word of God. A lot of times we hear people talk, but we're not listening. But Pay attention to the way people talk. And, and pay attention to what they say. And pay attention to the way that they talk. And you can learn a lot about them. Don't just listen. Don't just hear them and, and think in your mind, what am I going to say next? Because then you're not really listening. But listen to understand what they're saying. And listen to hear where they're coming from. Listen to understand. And you'll find out. A lot about them. Their speech betrays them. If you go out in the stores or go out and... Well, you don't even have to go very far anymore. Just turn on the television. Listen to what people say, how they say it. As our text says here in verse 14, their mouth is full of cursing, bitterness. There's no real joy 
and cursing. Cursing is more than just saying curse words, although that is part of it. But people are angry and bitter. We live in a hostile world, a place where uh, sin is rampant. Uh, Over in Jeremiah chapter 2, Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 19. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. Why is it that people are bitter? Why is it that people are cursing? Why is it that people are angry and upset and torn up all the time? It's because they've gone away from the things of God in this world. It's because they have no love of God in their hearts. And it comes out of their mouth. The book of Psalms, chapter 57. Psalms 57 and verse 4. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue as a sharp sword. The psalmist said here in in this verse, my soul is among lions. He's Figuratively, he's talking about them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue is a sharp sword. Whoever said, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I don't think they were really telling the truth. But the reality is that we can hurt people. We can hurt the Lord's church. We can hurt the Lord's people. And that's what the world does with the way that they use their mouths, full of cursing and bitterness, swearing, deceitful words, lies, etc. But not only that, but... Think of it this way, if we're around those types of people out in the world, if we watch and consume a lot of that stuff in the forms of entertainment, then be careful because someone once said, you are what you eat. All that stuff gets up into your heart and your mind. You feed on that stuff enough, that's what will come out of your mouth. And you'll become like them, whether you intend it or not. In Psalm 64, 
verses 2 and 3. The psalmist said, Hide me. This is a prayer that he made. He said, Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. The psalmist said, Hey, I know that there are things going on out there. I know that the wicked are after me. He said, I just, I don't want to know about it. Hide me from it. David said, I don't want to know. The better, the the less I know about those things, the better. The secret counsel of the wicked, the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, They wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. Oh, beloved, we've got to guard the tongue. And we've got to understand the depravity. The mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, he says. This shows the frequency of sin in the world. And among the sons and daughters of men, and beloved, if you are a son or daughter of Adam, as we all are, We've got to watch ourselves. Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Verses 34 through 37. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word, underline this, Every idle word, and and I dare I say it, every idle text, every idle Facebook post, every idle social media post, TikTok, Twitter, whatever. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. You see, all this is a symptom of a bigger problem. That's why Paul is taking so much time on the mouth and the tongue. It's a heart problem. It's not, it's not just a tongue problem. It's not just a mouth problem. It's a heart problem. And oh, how we need Jesus. Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit. Oh, how we need the Father. Not just in salvation, you see, but daily. 
Daily we need Him. Daily. Back to our text. In Romans chapter 3. Verse 15. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Their feet are swift to shed blood. So now he moves from the tongue and from the mouth. From the speech. Remember from the voice box. To show that the world is guilty by their actions. By their actions. Their feet are swift to shed blood. This further illustrates and shows the depravity of the human race. Look at our world today. Wars and rumors of wars. We have great opportunity for peace in Russia and and Ukraine, it seems. But what's going on? There's a lust for power in the world. Swift to shed blood. You would think that the world and our, our, our country would long for this thing. Peace. But it's not just been Ukraine and Russia and the Middle East. We've been in continual wars for generations. Generations. Roe v. Wade was overturned and you would think that the States would rejoice. But it's still a battle, isn't it? And not only is it a battle for the womb, but now they're talking about how far can we take this? Can we kill babies outside of the womb? And some states are pushing for that. And not only that, but why not the old people? Euthanasia. Oh, well, you're past the age of whatever and you're sick. You know what? You're costing society too much. And so they, they say, well, let's just... And they pressure families to sign DNRs. And I don't know what's going on in the hospitals, but I'm not so sure that they're doing everything to help people out sometimes anymore now I'm not saying that's everywhere I know there's still good doctors and there's still good nurses but I was watching a, a news report this doctor he's 50 years old he just got sentenced I don't know how long ago it was I just saw the news report it may have been it may not have just happened. But he was misdiagnosing people as 
having cancer. Misdiagnosing people. Telling them they had cancer when they didn't. And so what was happening? Well, those poor people were coming back to him. Coming back to him. More and more money. He was pumping them full of, full of chemotherapy. You know what that does to the human body? It kills you if you don't really have cancer. He was killing people so he could get rich off of it. You get a diagnosis of something, get a second opinion is all I can say. Why? Depravity. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Again, Paul is not preaching anything new. He's not writing anything new here. We're not seeing anything new. This goes all the way back. Proverbs chapter 1. Total depravity wasn't something that Calvin made up. This is, this is all Bible. This is all the truth. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 16. Solomon wrote this under inspiration of the Spirit. He said, well, look, verse 15, he said, My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. It's terrible what happened at that at that parade at Kansas City, that shooter that went in there and all that sort of thing. It's terrible what goes on in the world. But why is that? It's depravity. You take away the guns, what will happen? They'll find a knife. Take away the knives, what will happen? They'll use rocks. You see, man is depraved. The problem's not the weapon. The problem is the people. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 7. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not. There is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whatsoever goeth therein, whosoever goeth therein, shall not know peace. That's the world that Isaiah was in, and that's the world that we're in. It's a terrible, terrible world. It's been that way ever since the fall of man, and it didn't take long until Cain slew his brother Abel there in Genesis chapter 4. Beloved, you and I, we can read this and we can say, well, I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed abortion. I've never done all this. And let me just say, if you have committed abortion, you know, if you're watching this and all of those things, I mean, it's a terrible sin. There's no question of it. But you can repent of that and, and find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. 
But even if you haven't, and you read this, you can say, well, I'm, I'm thankful I'm not like those people. Go with me to 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter three verse ten and going down to verse let's go down to verse eighteen. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not, the, doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Did you catch that in verse fifteen? Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. We ought to love our physical brothers, yes, and we should. But how much more so those in the family of God? Now, very few of us will have the opportunity to physically lay down our lives for others. I meant to grab the story and maybe I'll find it and post it on Facebook. But there is a story that there was a pastor who (coughs) who was on the Titanic. He had opportunity to be rescued due to the circumstances, but he didn't. He gave up his place so that others could be saved, and he died on the Titanic. I'll, I'll share that story later, but uh, but it's a sacrificial love is what he's talking about here in First John Jesus, when, uh, when he talks about the judgment in Matthew chapter 25, he says there in Matthew chapter 25, he says this. Verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory 
all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit on the throne of his glory. Before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? When saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done unto me. And then you can keep reading on down there. He'll say to the goats, Depart from me, because I was hungry, you didn't give me meat. I was thirsty, you didn't give me any drink. And on down, and he said, they said, well, when, did, when did this happen? And he said, well, um, inasmuch as you didn't do it to the least of these, you did it not to me. A couple of things I want you to notice about this is, in this he says, they'll be gathered to him all nations. But when he divides them up, he doesn't divide them up as nations. He doesn't divide them up as nationalities. He divides them as sheep on the right side and goats on the left. Then he says to the sheep what he says there. He says... Visiting the sick, the prisoners, being hospitable, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. And you think about nationalities, right? In a national setting, they, they would have clearly done that for each other in their national settings. But in Christ... It's a bigger thing than that. And, he, and, he, and, and so he says, when you've done it to the least of these, your brethren. No, he doesn't say that. He says, to the least of these, my brethren. You see. My brethren. Something to think about. Um, sometimes... Uh, people that might be a little bit uh, uh, different than us, uh, however way maybe different than us uh, in nationality, different than us in in their uh, social status, different than us maybe in their uh, in their uh, belief. We can try and help them out in some way. In this, uh, and think about how we can help them out because they are the brother of Christ. Uh, in certainly, we need to be careful that we not hate those who are different than us. 
Um, and, and, and for sure, uh, because of and going back to Romans chapter 3 in our text here. Romans chapter 3. And tying all this together. Feet are swift to shed blood. The world says, hey, let's go to war with our enemies. Jesus said, love our enemies. The world says, uh, let us, uh, let us, uh, let us uh, fight to the death. And we need to make sure that we are of a different, a different mindset about these things. In verse 16, it says, Destruction and misery are in their ways. Uh, their, their feet are not only swift to shed blood, but their path through life is marked with ruin and desolation. And so, study history, study archaeology, watch the news, and understand that the Bible is true. Destruction and misery are in their ways. There are those who proclaim that the human race is progressing. This isn't true. This isn't true. There are those who say that the human race is improving. That's not true either. They're blind to history. They're blind to the present facts. There is a rising tide of violence. Indeed, uh, think about this. Uh, <clears throat> kingdoms rise and then they fall. What we're seeing now in our country is, and we all feel it, whether we understand it or not, uh, the, uh, the dollar, uh, it doesn't go as far as it used to. Why is that? Destruction and misery are in their ways. Um, uh, go to uh, go to some of the big cities that were once very very great. Um, Richmond, for instance, Richmond isn't as good of a city as it used to be. Atlanta, same thing. Um, go to uh, Portland, Seattle, some of those places. Why? Well, violence, destruction, and misery uh, are in their ways. What's going on? What's happening? What's happening to our world? The United States itself is not the country that it used to be. Well, over in the book of Luke chapter 17... verse 26 and as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be also in the days of the son of man so here we are in the last days when did the last day start well 
I believe the last days started uh, when the Lord left this earth, and um, and things just keep getting getting worse and worse. So what do we do? Well, we could we could build us a, a bomb shelter, I guess, and wait out till the Lord comes back. Um, we could uh, we could cut off everybody and everything. Um, Turn off the TV. Probably be a good idea to do that. Do that a lot of times anyway. Um, but no, I don't think that's the right attitude to have. Uh, I believe that we should try to reach out to the world uh, and um, and uh, try to be of some help to them. Uh, we don't. Uh, we don't. Uh, we don't give up our convictions. We don't. We don't give up our. Uh, we don't give up the ground that we stand on. But certainly, certainly we can. Uh, <clears throat> we can uh, be of some help to people uh, as we as we as we preach the truth of God's word. Uh, show them Jesus uh, in this world that we live in. You know, I posted that story about that so-called church that the preacher got up. I, I don't know if he's a preacher. It's kind of a loose term, but he got up and took that Bible and kicked it or whatever he did across the the stage. And you know, That's great entertainment for a bunch of lost people. Those people need the Lord. And... Um, and uh, we need to uh, we need to be ready, willing to give to them the truth of God's word, however way we can. Uh, I don't know of any churches around here that are doing that sort of thing, but I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. There may be some. There may be a. There may be a church down the road that handling snakes and speaking in tongues and everything. Who knows? Who knows what's going on in the name of religion around here? But we need to be ready and willing to, to preach the Word, help them out. Why? Because men are depraved. There's no hope in anything except for Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 6, we close this out. When we think about depravity, Jesus saying that in the it being like it was in the days of Noah. Genesis chapter 6. Verse 8. It says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. The earth was terrible, but God's grace was real. And that's the type of world that we live in now. Do you know about God's grace today? I hope.
that I've been able to show that man is terrible, but God is good. And as we go through this series, that's what I want to point out is that the only hope that we have is in Jesus Christ. Thank God for His grace.